Hi, we've got three stories from Curiosity.com, plus a special guest to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn why you're wired to talk louder when you're wearing headphones, how to cope with a breakup according to science, and four useless human traits that used to have a purpose. We'll top off today's episode with a sprinkle of curiosity where Ashley digs into a question from an awesome listener like you. That's right. Today's question comes from Dave, who asks, do cockroaches even have a contribution to the ecosystem? If yes, how? Thanks for your question, Dave. We got in touch with a Purdue University entomologist for the answer, so stay tuned to hear her explain. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you've got headphones on and you say something and everybody looks at you like, why are you shouting? <laughs> yes. Have always. you really? Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this story is actually from our Saturday Digest, but you can still find it on curiosity.com and on the Curiosity app for Android and iOS. But there is a scientific reason why you get louder when you're listening to loud music in your headphones. And it's the same reason you get louder when you're in a loud place like a bar or a rock concert. It's called the Lombard effect or the Lombard reflex. Then it sounds kind of obvious, right? Like, of course, I get louder when it's noisy so people can hear me. But there's actually a lot of science to it. And humans aren't the only ones that do it either. Dr. Lombard was a French scientist who discovered the symptom of the raised voice in 1909. And he found that your conversational speech changes in a bunch of different ways when your ears are picking up loud noises. So in Lombard speech, you use more lung power, you elongate your vowels, and you raise the fundamental frequency or the pitch of your voice. You also put more emphasis on content words. So like, I'm going to go get a drink versus I'm going to go get a drink. Male voices change more dramatically, but researchers say female Lombard speech is more intelligible. So at least people can understand what you're shouting, Ashley. <laughs> researchers say there are two main reasons for the Lombard reflex. One is so other people can understand you, which is pretty obvious. But the other is actually so you can hear your own vocal output. It's like if you go to a local concert venue, sometimes you'll see the band complain that they can't hear themselves because the stage monitors are too low. Have you heard that happen? Absolutely. It's really hard to play when you can't hear your monitor. Right. And I've, I've seen indie bands like complain about it on stage. Yeah. They get on the mic and yell at the sound guy. We can't hear ourselves. Oh, that's, that's not right. No, it's, it's not good. So people want to hear themselves. And even though the Lombard effect is more than 100 years old, it's still used in hearing tests, audio vocal integration studies, and speech therapy, and now in animal vocal behavior. Birds, bats, and even fish have been shown to get louder, to be heard in loud environments. And Lombard speech research has also been used to support architectural acoustic designs and in developing automatic speech and speaker recognition software. Add Curiosity Daily to your Amazon Alexa flash briefing, and you can even listen to this story on your smart speaker. How's that? As meta. That's very meta. <laughs> Cody, do you still have your wisdom teeth? No, I got them removed in high school. I still have mine. Really? Yeah, mine came in straight. I'm one of the lucky ones. I, You know, I don't know a lot about wisdom teeth. Well, today we've got a story about them, and specifically about vestigial traits, which a lot of people think that wisdom teeth are. Those are your body parts that are basically useless today, but used to have a purpose. So wisdom teeth, like I said, they're, they're kind of a gray area. They were definitely more useful for our primate ancestors than they are for us. But sometimes they work for us just fine, like me. But one thing that's not useful anymore for sure is your tailbone. We only have a tailbone because our evolutionary ancestors had tails. And here's a fun fact. The human embryo actually has a tail. Usually, the body absorbs it, but in some rare cases, babies can be born with the tail still intact. On a related note, you get goosebumps because they're a leftover from when our ancestors had fur. When all their hair stood up and stuck out, it could keep them warm or 
make them bigger and more scary to enemies. But the most surprising vestigial trait, I think, is probably your ears. Sure, hearing is useful, obviously, but ears are weird. Some biologists think parts of our ears are leftovers from when our ancestors had gills. Like if you have a little hole in the part of your ear closest to your head. And there are other parts of our ears, like the muscles that help them wiggle, that only some people have. Maybe they're leftovers from evolution. Visit Curiosity today for more on these and other outdated body features. I can actually wiggle my ears on command. Does that mean I'm less evolved? No. <laughs> no, I mean, that just means that just means you're more entertaining. Wow. <laughs> that was smooth. All right, Ashley, what do you do to get over a breakup? Sharon Van Etten is a big one. Actually, I have a special breakup playlist. That, yeah? Yeah, it's a lot of good music. I listen to a lot of sad music. That's a big thing for me. Oh, I'm a Linkin Park guy. Oh, yeah. 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 We've just talked about this. Popping in the end. Mm -hmm. Some of their newer albums, man, they will just boom. Nice. Well, new research may have found the best way to get over a breakup. A new study published in the Journal of Experimental Psychology General looked at 24 young adults and had them try a few different coping strategies. The first was negative reappraisal of the ex-partner. That's like when you focus on your ex's annoying habits, the things you don't like about them. A lot of people do this automatically. I mean, who hasn't gone out to the bar with their buddies and just been like, oh man, I hate it when she did this or he did this or whatever. Yep. The second strategy was reappraisal of love feelings. And that's when participants accepted their unrequited love in a non-judgmental way. So they would read statements like, it's okay to love someone I'm no longer with. Think motivational quotes. And the third strategy was distraction. And that's like when all your friends tell you to stay busy after a breakup to keep your mind off your ex. In this case, the participants were told to think positive thoughts about things that had nothing to do with their ex, like favorite foods or, I don't know, Star Wars, if you're into that. So what worked best? Well, all three options actually help them decrease the emotional responses to photos of their exes. And that's pretty important because there's photos of your exes everywhere if you're on any social media yeah. site. But there were differences in feelings of love towards the ex and in overall happiness. That first option, negative reappraisal, decreased feelings for the ex, but it also decreased overall happiness. The second option, love reappraisal, resulted in no change of feelings for the ex, or in overall happiness. And the final option, distraction, also left feelings for the ex unchanged, but it did make participants feel more pleasant. So your best bet is probably a mix of all three. But hey, if you're a super happy person, then maybe go with the negative one and you'll zero out. When I went through my last very big breakup, I did the distraction thing the whole way. Like I just started getting tons and tons of music gigs and just working all the time. Oh. But then, you know, my music career took off, so that was good. Hey, turn a negative into a positive. Absolutely. Well, you can dig into the full study today on curiosity.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. Dave asked about cockroaches, so we found an expert to talk about them. Dr. Gwen Pearson is the Education and Outreach Coordinator for Purdue University's Department of Entomology. She generously lent us a few minutes of her time to answer Dave's question. Do cockroaches even have a contribution to the ecosystem? If yes, how? Here is what she had to say. They have a huge contribution. They're actually really important. I mean, it's pretty understandable that people do not like cockroaches because the ones that get in our houses are, you know, gross. They're associated with things that are dirty, disease. Um, but the, the reality is there's really only about five species of roaches that are pests for humans and that get in our houses. But in the entire world, there are at least possibly more than 5,000 different kinds of roaches. 
and they are recyclers. They are key recyclers in a lot of forest and other ecosystems. And they're relatives of termites. And like termites, they're really good at eating just about anything and digesting it. And they're eating all of our trash. They're eating trees, especially. They're very commonly found in the forest. They'll eat anything that drops on the forest floor, and they turn that into beautiful soil so that trees can grow again. Cycle of life. I can sing the Lion King song, but I don't think anybody wants that. <laughs> and they're also pretty fascinating. I mean, again, the ones that, that live in our houses, there's a lot of roaches that live in caves. And it's one of the theories is that roaches have been associated with humans since we were in caves. And they just kind of came along when we upgraded our caves into houses. But most of them, if you went out in the forest, you would be amazed at how many roach species are out there very quietly munching away down on the forest floor and you never would even see them. But the ones that are in our houses, those are just a kind of a side effect of that happening? Yeah. So many of them are species that are now distributed globally because people are distributed globally. And so as our trade moved people and goods around the world, we also moved roaches and, and rats as well all around the world. So the ones in your house, kill them. You are under no obligation to maintain their habitat. <laughs> it's the ones outside, live and let live because they're actually, they really are important to ecosystem functioning. Thanks again for your question, Dave. And thanks Dr. Pearson for helping us out with the answer. You can follow Dr. Pearson on Twitter at bug underscore Gwen or find links to her work in the show notes. And visit Curiosity.com or check out the Curiosity app for Android and iOS to learn more about everything we talked about today. You can also subscribe to our email newsletter at Curiosity.com slash email and get all of our updates every day in your inbox. Join us again tomorrow for the Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.